Local environment heroes Saving the trees and the bees And doing it day Welcome to the Local Environment Heroes podcast A podcast that brings you a series of chats with some amazing local heroes From here in Canberra and from further afield Who are doing ace things for our world The podcast is produced and supported by the Canberra Environment Centre and your hosts are Fiona Verkinen, the Deputy Director of the CEC, and Julie Bolton, a sustainability strategist based in Canberra. Local environment heroes. Yet again, we have a super episode Absolutely. for people to listen to. Fiona. Yes, Julie, we have David Trude, a.k.a. Weedy. He has put together an incredible movie named Down the Carrot Hole, oh. which... Everyone's going to watch. Yeah, now you've watched it, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, tell watched, me about it. So, watched it with the family on Monday night. Everyone enjoyed it and ended up um, naming the new puppy after a key moment in the movie. <laughs> What's the puppy's name? Her name's Banya, after the Banya nut that features in oh. the movie. It's a, it's a good moment. <laughs> yeah, now who, so you watched it with the whole family. Who yeah. in the family enjoyed it the most? Possibly the twelve-year-old yeah. um, who's planning to pl- plant an entire garden featuring a lot of leafy greens and beans. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. had an impact already. Absolutely. So this movie—it's all about David's journey setting up his weedy garden. Yeah, and what an amazing journey it is. So he lives in the Northern Rivers mm-hmm. up up Byron Bay Way, mm-hmm. and he started three years ago. So he's a photographer worldwide photographer who's been living overseas for what did you say the last 30 years 30 I think plus years, yeah. um came back to Australia just as lockdown started the first lockdown and went well I can no longer travel I've got all of my photography gear I've always wanted to start a garden why don't I put those two things together so on a weedy hill yeah he started a garden three years ago and when you look at his pictures and his YouTube channel what he has done in three years. It's amazing. It is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And listening to him speak about it, you can just tell this sense of openness to learning new things. And one of the key takeaways for me was his capacity to open himself up, to ask questions um, and to be to really engage in his landscape and his environment and what he's discovered. So he's this photographer who looks through the lens at the world and the environment around him and now he's transformed that attention to the soil and the life that is contained in the soil. And once you start respecting that soil life, you, the way you behave and respect the earth changes. Yeah, so, and the images that he yeah, shows. The, so beautiful. It's a visual feast. It really is. It really yeah. is. And I loved how, too, he talks about, like, towards the end of the podcast when we get to the five hero questions, he really hones in on this concept of education. And so not only educating himself, which he's just, as you said, so openly done over the last couple of years he just asked questions of anyone around him mm-hmm. says what do you do what do you plan how do you do this mm-hmm. and really armed himself with the knowledge but his whole shtick or mantra at the moment is that actually everyone should have access to this education mm. everyone from the moment that like little in yep. schools should understand how to care for the earth how to grow things because then again you have this connection and you'll care and you'll look after it. And how amazing is it to grow things in your garden? Absolutely. And eat them. Oh, he was telling us delicious. about a pineapple that he'd just eaten mm. that he's grown in his garden and how his kids 
who are visiting from Denmark just went, oh my goodness, this is a pineapple. Yes, (laughs) nothing beats it. Fresh produce straight from the garden, put it in your mouth while it's still warm from the sun. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, please have a listen, but maybe before you do, get on and have a look at his YouTube videos just to understand the visual element of this and then once you've listened to our podcast make sure you download the movie because the movie as Fiona has said is spectacular yep, down the carrot hole wow okay well listen on yeah let's go okay I think we've covered the key points so we would love to ask you one of our first questions, which we ask all our guests, and that is, has there been a defining moment in your life where you've looked at the world and you've thought something needs to change now? Oh, that's a big question. There's been many defining moments in my life that have sort of that have been like that, actually. That's a difficult question to kind of answer because it's so deep and it's so intricate. At, but if you give it to the theme of this discussion, I will say, you remember that time when uh, we were looking at the YouTube videos of people running around the supermarket finding out of toilet paper? Yes. Yeah, I'm actually almost in tears just having to express this at the moment. But that was a defining moment for me because I thought if people are fighting amongst each other about toilet paper like this already, how will people be reacting if there is no food in the shops? That was a defining moment for me. And that was what turned me into a garden freak. I think a lot of people at the same time had the same feeling or the same thoughts because as soon as I went down to the shop to buy seeds, they were all gone. I think a lot of people had the same idea as me. I'm going to get a garden going because if this happens again or if this happens, if this gets worse or if this, you know, it was that it was that defining moment where I thought I am really vulnerable at this moment. If the food disappears from the shops, I am really vulnerable. So yeah. that was the moment where I decided to learn how to grow food and learn how to make myself self-sufficient. So if that did happen, and the funny thing was that probably two years later, two years after that moment when I had established my garden, we had massive rains here up in the Northern Rivers and a lot of the roads were cut off. And where I'm living, we've got three ways out of here and all three ways were cut off. Yeah. And they were cut off for about 10 days or two weeks, I think. The people were getting food flowing in by helicopters, my neighbours, some of the people I could see the helicopters are landing over there. But I had food up in the weedy garden. Actually, at that moment, I was doing an experiment to see if I could survive in my garden. Yes. Because, because two years after that initial moment of me changing my life to be a gardener, I thought I'll give it a go and I'll see if I can actually live in my garden, see if mm-hmm. I can stay in my garden. But I didn't really know how long I should do that for. So I thought, I'll, I'll eat my own weight in food. And I kind of worked out, well, 90 kilos, and that yeah. should take me about three months. So I was about halfway through the experiment when the floods came. And so so I had plenty of food, and I did for two weeks. And that was a, it's a really, it was a really good exercise, actually, a really good moment of, wow, what I did really worked and can yeah. work. Yeah, awesome. And, and the fact that I didn't know anything about gardening when I started. This is what I really thought, surprises me. Like, you started gardening when the pandemic hit, yeah, so this is the beginning yeah. of 2020, and you it's hadn't gardened middle, before. The, mid, the middle of March 2020. And you, so you'd never gardened before. Like, did, did you grow up with parents who garden? Like, mm. did you have any background yes. in gardening? I grew up with gardening, but I never really knew anything more than if you put a seed in the dirt and give it water, 
and put it somewhere where it gets sunshine, it'll grow. It'll yeah. give you it'll give you a vegetable, right? That's that's all I knew. I had no idea about that the soil is like the stomach for all the plants and that if you have a pet animal, you want to feed that animal. If you have a plant in your garden, you need to feed that plant. It's the same thing. The dirt only has a certain amount of life and nutrients in it, you know, and as plants are living in that dirt, they'll eat the nutrients from it. And if there's no more nutrients being added to the dirt, the dirt becomes dirt and eventually rock and sand. So the understanding at that moment of my garden that, okay, I'm going to raise a lot of animal, I'm going to raise a lot of pets up here and I've got to feed them all. So understanding how to make compost and how to collect yeah. manure and, and what was plant food. When I understood what was what plant food was, it was like, okay, I'll just make it. And it's made from everything that's dead, whether it's yeah. a plant or, or an animal, plants eat it all. And so I did grow up with gardening in that sense that my mother always had vegetable gardens because my mum was the avid gardener. And I remember when I was a young kid, I used to grow cauliflower and cabbage and stuff like that in the garden. And I'd harvest it and then put it on a little trailer on my bicycle and, and, and cycle down the road and sell, and sell it. Yeah. But other than that, no, I didn't know. I didn't know that the soil was alive. I didn't know that the world underneath my feet was actually a whole ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and once I understood how that worked, I could grow anything. It's a matter of once you once you know what the plants eat and what they need to live and what they need to reach their full potential, then all you need to do is find what will find what sort of plants grow in your area, mm. because because mm. there's so many different pockets of different environments on the planet with different ecosystems yep. and, and climates, the plants are accustomed to growing in their environment. So every seed has a full potential. If that seed lands in a spot where it gets what it wants, it has the capacity to reach its full potential. That's why trees and ants have so many thousands and hundreds of thousands of seeds every every season, because the chances are that one of those little seeds is going to land in that spot to give it its full potential is pretty small. But we as humans, we have the capacity to understand what that seed needs to give it its full potential. So we do, and then we get that reward. I started with a blank slate. I thought, okay, I knew that the top of the hill where I made my garden, before I came, it used to be lantana. And people would say that lantana is really good for the soil. So if you get soil where lantana has been growing, it's really good soil. And that's all I knew about that. Later, mm. I've understood that lantana is a really good nitrogen fixer, which means yeah. it adds nitrogen to the soil. The year before I came, the farmer that had the land pushed all the lantana away on the hill to make room for the grass for his cows. So when I came, it was a big, it was a bare hill with grass and I put an electric fence up and mowed the grass and then started building sort of raised beds because it was on the side of a hill. So I didn't want my garden to go up or downhill. So I kind of raised the beds to make the, the level. I then just scraped off the soil, like the first uh, three or four inches of the soil from all around the top of the hill and filled up my wheelbarrow with that soil and then emptied it in the garden beds. And mm -hmm. I did that about 200 times, I think, and made eight garden beds. And so everything I planted in those beds, like, just went boom. So my garden was just so healthy and so flourishing. Everything grew so amazingly because the soil where the lantana was growing was the beautiful, beautiful soil. That was a great start and really lucky for me. I didn't know that or plan that, but that was really lucky for me. 
But then I, well, I'm thinking the best people that know the information about plants is be the local people because they've been doing it mm. time. I came from Denmark, not Western Australia, Denmark, but Denmark over in Scandinavia. When I came here, I thought the people that know about it mostly will be the local people. So I'm asking the local people how to do this and how to do that and when you plant your peas. But then I met Jeff Lawton. Jeff Lawton is the guru of permaculture. He's one of the most world-renowned permaculture teachers. And I met him just by chance, just by mistake. And he actually happens to live as the crow flies, probably about 30 kilometers away. And I did his course, studied permaculture. And it was kind of like, for me, it was kind of like relearning what I actually already knew. I grew up in a little town called Dungowan in New South Wales on a sheep farm and a, and a hay farm, a lucent farm. And things like, you know, when it rains, where does the water fall? Which way does it go down the hill? As a kid walking up the back paddocks, I'd follow the gullies up the hill and stuff. And that's where the gullies are because that's where the rain came. And I'd sort of know by being in it where the water flowed. So when you study permaculture, you look at the rain and you look at the hills and you look at the slopes and it's mathematical and it's on contour and it's all these different things. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I knew that. And all these things that I'm kind of learning through permaculture is actually things that I already knew because I grew up in the bush. I was kind of already in it. So people that have grown up in a city, they wouldn't have that same understanding of it as I already sort of have. Hmm. I started my YouTube channel the same time I started my garden. I'm a photographer, actually, that I was doing before lockdown. I was traveling around the world taking photos. <clears throat> Most of the photos I took had something to do with nature. I had some sort yeah. of a deep desire to kind of inspire people to get into nature to be in nature so when lockdown came i couldn't fly anymore so that was when i, I thought well okay i've always wanted to have a garden like i saw myself as an old man with a long beard really really healthy living on this bit yeah. of land with all these fruit trees and vegetables and stuff just and people would say what are you doing how come you're like how come you're 100 years old man and i said <laughs> i just just eat my own food Something like that. I think a lot of people have that kind of dream. Oh, I just want to live like a gorilla or I just want to live like, I just want to live and be and just live and love and eat and, you know, I think a lot of people just want to and live yet, like that. Like we have that dream, yet we don't live like and, that. And I think that's really, I think, because we've just been slowly, gradually over centuries disconnected from that. Mm. That, yeah. is our, that is our core feeling. Every human being has that core feeling deep down inside, like under hypnosis, everyone would be able to get to that space, every human being. And I think that's why the deep feeling is like, oh yeah, they recognize that somehow. Yeah. But because of our daily lives, the, this, the senses with which we could grasp this understanding have kind of been yeah. atrophied because we're not using them. Mm. We're yeah, yeah. We're more, we're more focused on getting what we need to get done to sort of sit, stay in the system that's running around us. Because yeah. we don't have we don't have land, we don't have knowledge, we don't have friends that are going to help us in this situation. A lot of people think we can't do that. Mm. So that's why people that's why people kind of give up or just keep it as a dream. For me, I was so fortunate to to land in this spot where I'm renting the house. The people that own the property have forty five acres, an elderly couple that don't use it anymore, and they've never really used it. And so at a point of lockdown, I said, listen, guys, can I make a garden on the top of the hill? And they said, yeah, sure. And I said, well, that, that'll be good because then I can give you some fresh vegetables. And they said, that'd be lovely. Yeah, That's fantastic. how I started. I'll start to just film this and see what happens. And then, yeah, two years later, I, I put out a movie about it. It's called Down the Carrot Hole. 
and I'm sort of sharing all this understanding and all this learning of this journey. And it's called down the carrot hole because down the carrot hole is where the soil is and where this life and where this yeah. life begins. And I take people on a journey using some wonderful footage from a friend of mine in Poland who does microscopic photography. His name is James Weiss. <clears throat> He's an amazing guy. He's got an amazing story. He grew up in Turkey. He doesn't want to live in Turkey. So he's been traveling different countries most of his life. And now he's in Poland. And if he leaves Poland, he can never go back to Poland. But he can never go to any more countries anymore. He has to go back to Turkey and he can then never leave Turkey. So he's in Poland in a small apartment and he's got thousands of dollars worth of uh, microscopic equipment. He's got his whole apartment filled with all these um, little tiny petri dishes with little environments and all different microbes and stuff. And he's looking after them, keeping them alive. And all he does all day long is film and look at microbes and then catalog them, loads them up on his Instagram feed, James Germs. <clears throat> he's got a YouTube channel that's called Journey to the Microcosmos. There's an image, There's an. I think it's one of the opening images on the... Um on the clip for the movie where there's, it's a frog that decomposes in soil. Yeah. That image yeah. is incredible. Like it's incredible. I just watched that nonstop the other night going, look at how it disintegrates yeah. and it just shows you, well, it's okay. So the frog itself is not alive, but what it's doing is enriching the soil and bringing the soil back like to life. Like it's, it's mm. a function and a role to play. That was a cane toad actually. And what I did to film that, as a photographer, my world is very visual. I don't remember names of words really well. <laughs> like um, it's for me to write something or when I'm talking, I have a very small vocabulary, um, but my visual vocabulary is, is, is huge, you know? So I'm sitting yeah. there as a gardener, understanding this whole concept of when things break down, they become part of the earth again and then become a, part of a plant again and like how does that work and what does that mean and how do I visualize that and I see then in my mind a frog just decomposing and coming back to soil again I go wow that'd be so cool if I could just capture that so I get the cane toad and I build a little glass cabinet with some foam around it and I, I go to my worm farm and get a few handfuls of worm casting and worms and compost and it's already full of microbes and I lay the frog on the, on the glass and I cover him with soil and then I pack it in and I turn it up again so you can see the frog's stomach. Oh. The and then I set my lights up so he's lit with my flash and then I just set it on timer and I say take a picture every 10 minutes for the next three months. Oh wow. And it, and yes. it just takes a picture every 10 minutes and it does oh. that until the frog is gone and all I wow. see left is this little little sort of hollow in the soil and a little pile of bones at the bottom. And you see that in about five seconds, it just goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such so, a visual feast, isn't it? Yeah. I love the way you've combined this beauty, but with a sense of humor and this sort of yeah. down grittiness, which I find yeah. very appealing. <laughs> What's the message you want to get across with the movie? What is it that you're trying to get people, like what key message you want people to take away from watching it? Well, for me, when I first understood the story of the soil and the mm. story of the cycle of life, which is a really, really simple story. And if I can explain it on this podcast, I would say, if you think of everything that's 
built up everything physical that's living is built up of of the elements from the periodic table mm. everything's got a bit of magnesium in it, a bit of sulfur in it, a bit of carbon in it like your body is just built up all, all these elements from the periodic table that's all it is and when like earth wind water fire and spirit when all these things come together then then you get life right the earth is the minerals wind that's oxygen uh, carbon dioxide all the gases Water, everything needs to be transported, and that's water that does that. And fire, fire is the light, fire is the photon particle that sort of starts, starts everything. When the photon particle hits the leaf, it changes into sugar, it feeds the bacteria, bacteria come close, and they, so this whole cycle is earth, wind, water, and fire. And when spirit is involved, everything's on in process of gathering these elements to bring itself to life, right? If you think of all the elements on the periodic table as Lego blocks, and each one has a different shape, different size, different color. Think of a little kid now that's going to make a spaceship from Star Wars out of Lego blocks. He's going to use all these different shapes and sizes of Lego blocks. At the end of it, he gets a, a Star Wars spaceship. It sits on the shelf for a little while, but then he gets 14 years old, 17 years old. He doesn't want anymore. It gets pulled apart again and put back in the box for somebody else. It gets mm. decomposed. Mm. So someone has to pull all those Lego blocks apart again. That could be the father in this instance, maybe the, the boy himself. But in nature, what breaks apart these Lego blocks is bacteria and the fungi. They're the only things that can do it. So when you get a seed, it's in the ground, it starts, it sends its roots down and it says, okay, I'm alive. I've got earth, wind, water and fire and I've got spirit, let's go. And it starts gathering these elements through its roots. Oh, I need a bit of magnesium. It'll get it through its roots if it's in the soil. And it'll put it into its system and that'll be part of its stem and it'll get a bit of carbon and it'll get a bit of this and that. And it'll become a plant and it's alive. And then at some point it'll die. It'll die. And then at that point when the, when the spirit's gone from the earth, wind, water and fire, there's no more spirit, then it gets decomposed. And who does that? The bacteria and the fungi. In, in a living animal, that compost system is in our stomach. We put in the ingredients through our mouth and then the bacteria and all those things inside the microorganisms inside our gut, they break those elements down, they pull those Lego blocks apart from that banana. Oh, little bit of potassium, there it is, the Lego block is free. And when it's free, it's plant soluble and animal soluble. And so at that point, it goes through your stomach wall, which is just a little thin one-celled layer of something in your stomach, it'll come into your body and then travel around and connect itself to another protein and become part of you, right? And so where did that little bit of potassium come from? It came from a banana peel. And that banana peel was maybe, maybe or banana, maybe that was eaten by you. But what if it's a plant and it needs that potassium, if that banana peel goes in the compost, mm -hmm. then the bacteria and the fungi in the compost are pulling apart those little Lego blocks, making that little bit of potassium now available, which is in the dirt, which is in the soil. And yeah. so the, the roots of the plant, exactly the same as your stomach wall. It'll come in, it'll want that little bit of potassium, it'll come in, it'll grab that little bacteria that has it inside it, it'll suck yeah. it into its roots, and it'll dissolve the bacteria, and then the little bit of potassium will be released and come into the plant. So the soil is exactly the same as the stomach or the plants as it is for an animal. So that process of life and death, that composition and decomposition, those Lego blocks being compiled into life, and then pulled apart again for new life. Pulled apart and growing up again. This constant cycle of life and death growing yeah. up. That's, that's the story I'm explaining in my movie with mm. visuals. 
in a really simple way so children can understand. Mm -hmm. And not only that story, but what I did with that story and how understanding that story, you can grow your own abundance and you can grow your own food. And understanding that food that you are growing is getting those little Lego blocks directly from the ground and not out of a bottle or something Mm -hmm. that's processed. Those little Lego blocks have got a different quality in them. So when you put them in your body, your body is going to reach its full potential a lot easier than it will with sort of junk food in itself. The more organic, homegrown, like really from sun, wind, water and fire stuff you put in your mouth, the the better Lego blocks you've got for your body. So you'll heal quicker, your skin will be better, your brain will be quicker, your memory will be better. All these things are beneficial by eating good food. And you can see it in a, if you give a plant the right food, it becomes huge and big and green, produces beautiful big stuff. And if you put the same plant in the dirt, the shade, it's not going to do anything. It's going to survive. It's going to survive maybe for a while. But when that's when I look at people that are not eating, not living like, like naturally, I can see, okay, they're alive, they're surviving. But mm. there's no way they're thriving. There's no, nowhere near it. And a plant that's living inside somebody's home on the table and it looks beautiful and they're feeding it with the water and everything from the tap and stuff. And, and, and they think it's beautiful and it is beautiful, but they don't know what its potential is if it comes out in the weedy garden. So that's what my YouTube channel is about as well and my movie. It's about just getting people kind of educated in how simple it is and how good you feel out of it. <laughs> on this massive journey right because talking to you now like I would think you've been doing this for 30 years like it's interesting you say that because I think the fact that I've got a YouTube channel has been the catalyst of my learning ability and my willingness to learn and my wanting to learn and also because being being a photographer that's my life and blood I got to do a nice picture so someone says oh yes I want that, thank you. I get paid, I get money, I can buy my stuff, and that's how I live. So that's been my like, okay, I've got to take good pictures to live. But right now, my focus is I've got to grow good food because I've got to yeah. kind of be an example of what good food is and how to grow it. So my, I'm, I need to know, I want to know. And, and when you do that, your, your learning perceptors or your brain or the, even, even the information that comes to you or the people that you meet, it all opens up. You want to yeah, open up yeah, that. Yeah, you want. Yeah. You decide to open up that path for yourself, then you you get the information to you. you just, mm-hmm. I want to learn. I want to know. And then the next person you meet will tell you something that you didn't know before. So in that sense, I'm putting my focus on my photography and my yeah. like that like fight for survival kind of instinct. I'm putting that into learning about food. And I don't have a nine to five job or anything like that. My nine to five job is now my garden. So I'm kind of studying growing food seven days a week. So in three years time, I've learned a lot. I'm really interested in the the impact of your work. So working as a professional photographer, you have these amazing images with, which connect people to the environment and to nature. How has this YouTube garden journey changed the way your work is impacting people? Like there are common threads, but there's also this shift as well. How do you think about that? Well, I've never had any idea about how my images have affected people in my past career because I've made an image of something, sold it to my client, then my client has used it, right? 
um, and, and maybe 10% of the time my name is on the photo, otherwise my name is not on the photo. So I have never really had any sort of feedback except from my clients themselves of what oh. my photography, how it was impacting on anybody. So I start a YouTube channel and make my first video yeah, and, and, and get like thousands of comments. And, mm. and that was when, that was the first time in my life where I've ever felt any impact that my work has had you oh. know, on, on, on anybody. Wow. So having my channel is the biggest in my life, any by far of any sort of impact that my work is on people. Mm -hmm. and, I now see, and now I can see it physically because people write to me and uh, people send me little video stories of themselves to Mr. Weedy and stuff of how their children are now so enthusiastic about gardening and, and how it's changed their own lives. <clears throat> They've moved out of the city and, and are doing the permaculture journey. So it's pretty nice that I'm, I'm changing people's lives in that sense. Absolutely. Um, but at the point I started, I thought, I bet there's a lot of people out there now, like I'm talking at the point of the toilet yeah. paper crisis, yeah. right? Yeah. At the beginning. Um, I bet there's a lot of people out there now like me that want to start a garden, but then they're going, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'll just, I'll just chill out on Netflix for the next couple of weeks. It'll be right. Everything will go back to, to whatever. and and so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, okay, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to be able to fulfill the dream that I have right now, although they mm. want to, and they've got the chance to. So I'm going to do mm. this and people can follow this. And at any point that anyone joins on to the journey, they can look back and say, Shh, geez, you know, if I had started it at that point, look what it could have been today. And I say, well, at this point, you're only three years behind. The garden is extraordinary. Like there, there's, so there's a clip, and, and we'll put all these links up when we um, put the pod, podcast up. But there's all these ABC, the gardening show, their little video of your garden, um, which I'm sure comes from your work too. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Gardening Australia contacted me, and it was a lockdown. Their crew couldn't come up from Melbourne to the garden. So I said, well, what about if I just send you my first four episodes and you can yeah. clip out whatever you want? They edited my four, first four episodes into six minutes and used different music and then mm -hmm. sent me a narrative that I revoiced over. So I did a new voiceover and sent that back to them. And then they put that narrative together with the new music and the new ed editing. And it was really beautiful. It's like, honestly, yeah. I mean, when we started this podcast before we started recording, just for the listeners, I was trying to express to David what I thought about his videos. And I can't, like, I, I have no words because it's just mm. so spectacular to watch there are i don't think there's words that do it justice like it is spectacular mm. thank you very much lovely mm. feedback <laughs> <laughs> i think that role of you one being so open to learning yourself mm. right, that gosh i would love everyone in the world right to embrace like just be open about learning new things and see what comes to you but then also then your openness and happiness and joy from sharing what you're learning to everyone is is also just incredible like so again i think the more that we are open to learning and then we're open to sharing all of our learnings and experiences mm -hmm. is it's what it's what the world needs i think yeah well it's it's because i didn't know anything when i started learning something was like wow that's so interesting so that enthusiasm I have is, is really quite genuine, you know. Yeah, and, and it comes um, across. And, and, yeah. and if, I'm th if I think, well, that was, that was really interesting, 
And there's so many different hundreds of things I could actually do and share about stuff that I think is interesting because it's uh, because I've only been in Australia for four years. Although I'm Australian, I've been living in Denmark for thirty years, so mm, I'm mm. really I feel like kind of like a European tourist. Really, I know nothing about like a whip bird is not a whip bird. It's two birds. One goes and the other one is you got the, the male call and the female call and together they sound like one bird but there's actually two birds all the things about the australian bush that are so amazing and how the cane toes sit underneath my beehive at night time because um, the bees only live for about six weeks right and and the worker bees they all have different jobs and one of the jobs for the worker bees is the undertakers because mm -hmm. when a bee when a bee gets old and dies it has to be like cleaned out of the hive the undertakers are constantly taking out sick and dead bees and just dropping them over the side. And at night time, the cane toads, they come and they hang around the entrance and they just sit there oh, and wait so for, the, for the bees. They're so lazy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many tons of stories that it'd be great to share on the Weedy Garden. And I'm going to do more shorts as well on the Weedy Garden on the channel. Yeah. I've got a YouTube channel called The Weedy Garden. Yes. And then I've got the movie, which is called yeah. Down the Carrot Hole. You can get it on Vimeo, you can get it on YouTube, you can get it on iTunes and Google Play. Um, all of those buttons are on my web page, which is theweedygarden.com. What's your um, What's your favourite vegetable in the garden? My favourite vegetable? I don't have a favourite. It's like what's having children. Favorite? You can't say which favourite you got. They'll get upset. <laughs> which one has been your favourite to grow or like... Or maybe, you know, the most, I don't know, most rewarding maybe. The one that's been a problem child and you've really had to work hard to get it to come to the party. Well, that would be the eggplant, I guess. I mean, because oh. I've tried growing eggplant and every time I grow eggplant, it gets eaten by these little bugs. <clears throat> I've got an eggplant up there now that's got, like, I've probably harvested like about 10, 10 kilograms of eggplants from the one plant. It's, it's still producing. Um, wow. So that's like one of those good stories. I've got some beautiful... Beautiful fruit trees up there. I ate my first pineapple yesterday. Oh! And yeah, and I shared it with all my children from Denmark that are here visiting. And it was, oh, was delicious. it amazing? Was it just the sweetest pineapple? Oh, it was, I, I gave them all the smell of it, and they all went, "Wow, this is not pineapple," because <laughs> they don't have fresh pineapples in Denmark. They've never smelled something like that. It tasted delicious. Beautiful. Oh. Amazing. But no, I've got, um, it's, it's, it's really important if you're going to make yourself a food forest or a vegetable garden. And this is, I reckon this is the most important thing. And that is only grow the stuff that you like to eat. Don't waste the space with stuff that you don't want to eat. Because mm. it's really, really rewarding walking through a food forest, eating everything that, you know, fruiting or flowering or whatever at the, at the time you walk past, knowing that, ah, that's a nice one. Mm, ah, that's a nice one. No point standing out a garden full of radishes if you're not a radish eater. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You've got this quote on your website, when I think of paradise, I think of a garden. Yeah, it is a little slice of paradise. And it's a beautiful area, the Northern Rivers in New South Wales. A lot of like-minded people up here in this area. We call them tribe. A lot of people have been growing permaculture style for decades up here. Um, and that's also really nice because um, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of a, like a, an ambassador for the area. There's nothing special about what I do. It's only because I, I, I got a camera, I know how to use it. And, and traveled around the world for 
40 years and I've been to like 40 different countries and I've seen a lot of different people and I've seen a lot of different things and I'm just I'm just chilled about stuff, you know, and I'm living up here in a place where it's beautiful nature, there's lots of wildlife and I'm with a woman I love and and I'm, I feel it's like I'm living in paradise and that I can and that I can film it and share it with people to inspire them that's that's really nice mm. <clears throat> I, think. I think it's more than nice I think it's ice it's ice <laughs> it's awesome ice. <laughs> well so, maybe uh, we'll go to our five hero questions if I was the president of the world I would the first thing I would change would be the education system I would educate children from the right from the beginning what they're standing on what they're breathing what we are how amazing we are as human beings I would get the cleverest minds in the world to create an education system that could teach people how to find their full potential how to encourage others to find their full potential and how much power we would have if we shared our knowledge freely and shared our time and our space with each other knowing that we are kind of like a beehive human beings are humanity we are what we we, we could be one thing if we shared as much as the bees share with each other the information and and secrets the bees share with, with each other to make themselves a, a, a community they are actually in fact like one entity they can't mm. live with that without each other and so if i was president of the world i'd, I'd start with the education system and, and teach children from the beginning who they are and what they can be mm. That's an amazing answer. What What about the future then? Like in 2030, like what do you think then the world will look like? In everywhere? 2030, I don't know what the world will look like. The world is actually, it's a quite an interesting thing because the world is so many different things all at this one time. If you get a microscope and start looking at a leaf with a microscope, you can go into so many different sections of the leaf and you find so many little different environments just on the leaf let alone my whole garden, let alone the whole country, let alone the whole planet. And I've been in the middle of wars in Somalia with famine and overpopulation and just like disaster. I've been with kings and queens and pop stars and movie stars and I've been with village people that live up in the mountains. You can only get there if you walk for a week. And and by understanding that, I understand this this pockets of love and hate and life and death and fear and anger and there's all these pockets and they're all available all at once and it's up to you to choose which one you want to be in and if the majority of people think they're in one spot then the majority of people are going to think they're in that spot and they're going to act like they're in that spot but it's actually in our hearts where it all starts so if you can sort of start there and then look out from there you'll see what you can see in the future it doesn't matter where you are so in 2030 i see myself in this beautiful environment surrounded by people that are even more loving and caring and helpful and, and com commutative uh, than they are today <laughs> because I feel that, that the way the world is going we're realizing yeah. that that the way we are doing things is not really helpful and it's not really sustainable and it's not really going in the right direction and there's more and more people especially the young people who are more interested in this like bee community kind of setup you know where we're more interested in sharing instead of Forwarding. It's a change and we are going through a change, but I definitely believe the change is for the better. I think the world in 
2030 is going to be there's going to be a lot more cool people around it's going to be a lot more loving people a lot more hippies <laughs> if you want to call it that my my nephew asked me the other day he said he said uncle david he said are you a hippie because i'm going to up here in the northern rivers you know and i don't use shoes very much only when i go to town and i said bloody oath i am mate <laughs> <laughs> i said i sure am and he was like hmm his whole this whole category of hippie kind of changed. He said, if Uncle David's a hippie, then what I thought was a hippie is not a hippie then. What's a hippie then? <laughs> so, Maybe I want to be a hippie. I want to be like Uncle <laughs> I don't know what a hippie is, but I feel if you just, I think if it's just, if you just, um, I think natural, natural is hippie. Natural. Mm -hmm. That's basically for me what hippie is. The more natural you are, the more you're fitting into your natural system and the natural cycles of life. And that's what a hippie is for me. Who are your environmental heroes? Some of the people that have inspired you? Um, well, before lockdown, I didn't really think about the environment. I was running around the world doing my own thing with my head inside my camera, just like telling other people's stories. That was my job. That's what I got paid for. That's what I did. That's what my life was. I didn't really think about the environment. When I came here to Australia and moved to the Northern Rivers and started my garden, very soon after, I met, I met Jeff Lawton, the permaculture teacher. And for me, he was like, he's like the guru. Mm. Like if, if, if Jeff Lawton was the president of the world, we'd be all right. He's a very gentle man and a very good gentleman as well, Jeff Lawton. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't know too many. I don't know who's doing what in the environment. I don't watch the news. I don't go on social media. I don't follow what's going on in the outside world, really. I've been always just moving around the world, being the observer that I am with my camera, mm. capturing the essence of wherever I am and putting it in the box and, and then I'd come home. Although I'm very interested in what's happening in the world, I don't follow what's happening in outside. And that's kind of what I feel like the weedy garden. I kind mm. of feel like this guy weedy, who is, who is me. Weedy is also sort of this character that I want to be, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, if you take away weedy, it's like David Chu, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, before, before the weedy garden, I wasn't weedy. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of just don't want to follow the outside world and get caught up in what's going on. I want to be weedy to kind of keep this, um, it's kind of keep this sacred space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and to kind of say, well, I want to kind of focus on that sacred space of being just connected with the nature and, and, in my videos about what's happening with the cane toads and the bees because how would I ever know if I didn't just sit there and observe, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when you start to when you start to observe, you start to see how some of the birds are really good for the bananas, but some of the birds are not good for the bananas, and which birds are good and which and uh, and if and if I was on YouTube and Facebook and stuff during the day, I wouldn't have time to be that in that space. So for me I've been around the world, like I said, many times, and I kind of thought, okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm happy with my reader garden and that lifestyle for now and going yeah. on that journey. And if yeah. I can educate and share and go deeper and deeper so it helps me and helps other people, then I think, I think yeah. I've found my new, new studio for a little while. My environmental hero is actually the earth itself. Like my skin, if I get a cut, I, I heal it, it's automatic. My body can heal myself, the earth can heal itself as well. The power that the earth has to, to create and to sustain and to accommodate all these different life forms, that's, that's so incredible. 
that's like super number one hero for sure is the earth itself. I really believe that if you take time out and actually come into some quiet space and take your shoes off and get into a comfortable space in the nature where you're surrounded by plants and animals and sit down and say, hey, can you hear me? Or, hey, I'm listening. There will be some feelings you get. There'll be some feelings you get. Your mind or your heart will go off and it'll go on a journey maybe in that little space. And I feel that's when she is talking to me. I feel that my hero or my heroine, the earth itself, is giving me these messages and it's giving me these little creative things to do in my videos that will captivate my audience enough to get them inspired. And I believe that those creative impulses are actually coming from her because she wants to heal herself like I want to heal myself. She can see that I'm an ambassador and therefore she's giving me the information to kind of feed further on through my through my camera. Does that make sense? And does that tie in with any hot tips that you might have for being more environmentally friendly or aware? Oh, you know, talking about environmentally friendly, mm. I, I would like to work out actually how many kilograms of, um, of packaging that I've saved by just yeah. eating my own food from the garden. I've yeah. got a big garden, I've got, I've got lots of beds, so there's lots of veggies. I've given a lot away to friends and, and, and neighbours and so on. But if you want to be environmentally friendly today and you don't know what to do and you've got a balcony or you've got a backyard, just grow a few food plants. If you grow a few food plants, they're not taking anything from the environment, they're actually giving back to the environment. And if you mm. eat them, and then put the plant back in the ground again, you're giving something to the earth and you're not you're not taking it from the earth. You're actually, by producing the tomato, you're actually giving something to the earth because you're eating the fruit and you're putting the dead organic matter back into the earth again. So you're gonna feed that soil system. So if you wanna be more environmentally friendly, you can save a bit of plastic by just growing your own tomato plant, like one tomato plant. Just grow one tomato plant and eat those tomatoes from that plant then you've done a little bit. And then is there one final thought or mantra that you live by that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I always just think the best thing for you is wonderful, colourful, natural, clean, organic food. And if you can get that into you, you're on your way and you've made a good start to the day. Yes. <laughs> you are what you eat. So it's important to know who you are by knowing what you eat. By being aware of what you eat and eating good food, you can actually reach a higher potential. The food changes how you feel, it changes how you think, it changes how you look, and it changes how you move, it changes your mood, it changes everything. Mm. So it'd be really interesting for, for any listener out there to just do an experiment and say for the next week, only eat organic food. If you can source anything from your neighbours, from your friends, from your local farmer's market, anything that's homegrown, right? just give away anything that you've had out of a box or a bottle or something like that, just drink fresh water and fresh organic food for a week and see if it makes any difference in how you feel after a week. That'd be a nice little experiment. Definitely. We will promote that to our listeners for sure. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute pleasure of a conversation. We really appreciate you sharing your time and energy and enthusiasm with us. Awesome. Thank you. Girls. Thank you. Have a, nice, have a nice Wednesday. You too, you too. See ya. See ya.
Local Environment Heroes is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples, the traditional custodians of the Canberra area. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And we recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities. Subscribe to the Local Environment Heroes podcast wherever you find your podcast and sign up to CEC emails via the CEC website, canberraenvironment.org. Thanks for listening.